0: So I'm Yvart Fernbach. I'm a specialist solution architect for AI and ML in Amazon Web Services. Together with me, Shrinivasanabe, a product manager in for AI and ML in Amazon Web Services, and Manisha Agarwal, a system engineer from Texas Instruments. In this session, we'll talk about how to choose the right infrastructure for different parts of your machine learning workflow. Uh, we all know that the workflow contain different parts like building, training, um, predicting inference. Um, so we'll try to show you some of the mechanisms that we used to choose the right infrastructure for different parts of those uh, uh, processes. Because we know that some of you probably haven't watched uh, um, the keynote two days ago or not fully familiar with all the new services and features that we just launched uh, for our AI ML portfolio, So a really quick overview of some of the things that we just launched. Uh, For example, in the AI services, so the APIs that developers can use, uh, we just launched um, an option in Amazon Recognition to also train recognition on your custom labels. Another service that we just launched, another example is Amazon Fraud Detector, a new service that allows you to detect fraudulent activities Uh, throughout your data, your operations, your processes. Um, In the infrastructure part of the portfolio, uh, we just launched um, the Inf1 instances. We'll dive deeper into those instances and elaborate more on them during that session. Um, So we'll talk about that. And the main service, the main part of that platform, of that portfolio that we'll talk about today is uh, SageMaker. So what is Amazon SageMaker? Again, just a quick overview for those who are not fully familiar with that. Amazon SageMaker is a platform for data scientists and developers that allows you to build, train, and deploy your machine learning models in an easier way. So basically, it helps you to build the process of your machine learning um, lifecycle. It allows you to build your models and build your data using, for example, um, Ground Truth or our managed um, notebooks. Um, And few of the features that we just added to Amazon SageMaker are, for example, the debugger um, that allows you to debug your code during training uh, and get more insights throughout the training job. Um, The new processing, a new feature that allows you to process your data in Amazon SageMaker. Um, The SageMaker Studio, a new experience, a new way by the E that you can use for your machine learning development. And one of the features that I'm going to show in the demo in that session is the new SageMaker Experiments uh, feature. Uh, That's a feature that allows you to create new experiments and then run different training jobs in that scope of an experiment, compare between the different experiments and understand what what are the differences between them. So I will show that in the demo as well. But as I said before, this session is aimed for how to choose the right infrastructure. Um, So in this session, I'll try to talk about different parts of your machine learning lifecycle, and we'll start with the training part. We'll understand what are the options available for us for uh, our infrastructure choices for the training jobs, uh, and afterwards also for the inference, including the new INF1 instances. So which instance families are available for machine learning jobs, for training jobs? You can see in the presentation, the different families that are available. And I will try to walk through the different families just uh, uh, for you to be familiar with them and uh, get my recommendation of when to use each one of those families. So we start um, from the left side. In the left side, you see the T families. Those are the burstable CPUs family. With those families, you basically get a normal ratio of CPU and memory. So for example, the T3 to Excel give you eight vCPUs and 32 gigabytes of memory. But because there are burstable CPUs, then um, if you are running a long machine learning job, a long training job, in many cases, your CPU performance, uh, uh, you'll just consume all your CPU credit and you'll get less CPU performance after some time. So my recommendation for those instances, um, they can be really cost effective for short jobs so any job that is, for example, for minutes, um, um, short jobs can get be, be, can be very cost effective in, with those instances. Another option is, for example, for notebooks. So if I just want to run through a notebook, I'm not, not running any processing in the notebook, just running some cells, maybe running a sagemaker job. in those cases, the C family can be really relevant um, and cost effective. If you do want to run longer jobs, then the amp families have the same ratio of cpu and memory but don't use those uh, burst credits for cpu so the cpu stay the same throughout the job you can use them for longer jobs not just for short jobs Um, so any job that uses a cpu and need the normal ratio of cpu memory the job still loads some data to the memory it still uses the memory but need that normal ratio, then the M family can be relevant for those kind of jobs. Again, 8 vCPUs and 32 gigabytes of memory for the M5 to Excel. The next family is the R family, that's the memory optimized family. An example for jobs that will uh, um, be able to utilize the M family are jobs where you want to load all your data to the memory. So let's say you are loading a Pandas data frame, maybe do some data engineering on that data frame. In those cases, usually you will need more memory uh, and your job will be quite memory optimized. So in those cases, the R family can be relevant and you can see that with the R family, you can actually get the twice ratio of memory over the normal one with the M5. So for example, the R5 2XL have eight vCPUs and 64 gigabytes of memory. Last CPU family is the C family. That's a compute optimized. So for example, jobs that do run on smaller data sets, but need the compute power. And you want to be more cost optimized on your instances with the C family that, for example, the C52 XL also have eight vCPUs, but in this case, it has only 16 gigabytes of memory. So it will be more cost effective For CPU bound uh, jobs. So, whenever you are running on a small data set or can uh, uh, not load all the data set to the memory but just part of it, the C family will probably be more cost optimized in those cases. So, those are the CPU instance families that are currently available in SageMaker. Um, And and for many machine learning jobs, mostly statistical jobs or uh, tree based machine learning jobs those instances can be really relevant. Um, but then when you start going or, or start running some deep neural networks, in most cases you will need to use a GPU or using a GPU, a GPU will be more cost effective than using a CPU. So for example, the P family, that our primary uh, um, GPU family for training jobs, you'll get the V100, GPU, that's for example with the P3 um, family, those instances um, can run more parameters, can can actually boost your training job and be more cost effective in many of the times. So one example is the P3 to Excel. With that instance type, you get an eight uh, VCPUs, 61 gigabytes of memory, and one GPU of V100. You can scale that instance up to the Um, 16, or actually the 24XL with eight GPUs of v 100. The G family, um, we just um, launched that family a few months ago. That's a family using the T4 NVIDIA GPUs. So for small jobs, still neural networks, still jobs that can utilize GPUs, but some of the jobs are running on small networks. Networks that are not complex, that are running on many uh, different parameters. So in some cases, the G4 will be more cost effective, uh, but not, that's not the, like most of the job that we are seeing, most of the training that we are seeing that can utilize the GPU, will get a more cost effective solution with the, P, with the P instances. So just as a quick summary for the GPU instances, you can see the difference in here, in terms of uh, um, teraflops, you can see that the, G, the P3 theory can get up to one petaflop per second uh, with up to 256 gigabytes of GPU memory and 100 gigabits per second of networking, so can be really relevant for a distributed training job on multi-instances. Where the G4, um, you can see is, is have um, less operations per second uh, and it uses other GPUs so that would be the T4 instances. It can be cost-effective for training job, but mostly for simple networks, things that are not as complex as with the um, um, P3, and I will show you a demo uh, with some of the differences between different instances um, later in that session. So, how do you choose the right instance type for your training job? First of all, there is no one uh, right solution, run right answer. Each job, each network, each complexity of the network, or complexity of the data, or size of data will change your infrastructure needs. So you need to understand that there is no like, quick answer uh, to what is the right infrastructure for your needs. And in the demo, I will try to show you one of the ways, uh, using the new experiment management, one of the mechanics that I used to try and find out what is the right infrastructure uh, for different models. So there is no one answer. But you should ask yourself a few other questions. For example, what are you aiming for? What do you want to optimize? Do you want to optimize for time or for cost? As an example, um, let's say I'm running a, um, a training job on data that keeps changing. So I'm, I'm training my, my job, it takes a couple of hours, the data keeps changing, so I need to retrain my model, my model every couple of hours. In the, those cases, it's possible that I will have to optimize for time. Because if i just optimize for cost, I will not finish my training job in time. So that's an example for optimizing for time. Another example, um, let's say I'm uh, training an image classification model. And let's say that model, that data doesn't really change. So usually I will train that once, maybe once in a while. In that case, um, if the job will take four hours or two hours, maybe won't really matter to me that much two days or five days or a day will matter, but a few hours difference will not maybe matter, so I can actually focus more on the cost and not just on the time. So that's the first question you need to ask yourself. After you understand your metric, you need to ask uh, um, how complex is your model and if your model can even utilize the GPU for training. If your model is a complex one, it has many parameters, it's a deep neural network, for example, and it can utilize a the GPU, then in most of the cases, using a GPU instance will be more cost effective than using a CPU instance. It will be faster and more cost effective. So that's another question that you need to ask yourself. Basically, based on those questions, you can choose the right family. So if it's a GPU one, I'll aim for the P3 and G4. If it's a CPU one and I need to be CPU bound, then probably the C5. But that's the way I will choose the right family. Once I choose a family, the next part will be what is the size of the instance that I want to train on? Because that's another question. Um, And for that, you need, again, to ask yourself how much CPU, power, and memory do I need? So if it's a CPU instance, for example, if I'm scaling up my instance, I will have more memory. So for use cases that I load the data to the memory, it's possible that I will need to start with a bigger instance just to load the data. When we're talking about a GPU instance, it's a bit more complicated because you need to make sure that your training job can actually utilize multi-GPUs. If you're using one of the common frameworks, for example, TensorFlow, PyTorch, MXNet, then it's usually possible, unless you are doing a really custom access directly to a GPU, it's usually possible with those frameworks to utilize multi-GPUs but if you are running uh, uh, your code and, and contacting directly the CUDA drivers, then you do ma- need to make sure that you can utilize multi-GPUs and not just a single one. If you can't utilize multi-GPUs, even if you will scale up your GPU instance, you'll get more CPU and memory, but you won't be able to utilize the more GPUs that we just gave you. So that's another thing that you need to check with your specific script. After you choose the right instance size based on those cases, based on those things, uh, the next part will be, can you even maybe distribute your training job, run on multi-instances? So for big data use cases, really complex model, distributed training can shorten the time quite, quite a lot. I'm not sure if you've seen uh, the keynote, but we just talked about two use cases, the RCNN use case, Uh, for example, that we were able to really shorten the training time and that's based on a distributed training uh, solution, not on a single instance. So again, for the the frameworks that we um, for the most common frameworks like TensorFlow, MXNet, PyTorch, it's possible there are some distributed strategies, but you need to make sure that your code can actually utilize those uh, distributed training jobs. So Let's see a demo of how I tried to uh, um, create a mechanism that allows me to test different instances for two type of models. One is a simple model, the other is more complex, and find out which instance type is more relevant for each one of the jobs. Great. So, um, for that part, I decided use one feature that you just launched in SageMaker called experiment management. The idea of the SageMaker experiment management is to create a way of of like creating a scope of different training jobs and then search on that scope, get metrics from the scope and visualize the differences in that scope. So it allows you to create scope of different training jobs, not just uh, um, um, single training jobs that are not connected to each other. So You can see that I start that job and and I'm showing you that from a SageMaker notebook, but you can run it from wherever you have um, SageMaker SDK installed. So just install that with pip install um, SageMaker. You can see that first I create a new SageMaker experiment with the name of the experiment. Then because I want to find the difference in speed and the cost of each one of those jobs, I will also define some of the metrics that SageMaker can get directly as a regular expression from the logs of my job. So for example, one of the metrics that I'm using here is the train speed. That's basically number of samples per second that I'm training on. And the next part will be to actually start those experiments. So in this case, I use the for loop to run the different experiments, but it doesn't matter. You can even run those experiments um, across different days, they will still be in the same scope of experiment, the experiment I started before. So you can see in here that I'm running, I'm running that job on four different instance types. You can see the um, c 5 xlarge P2XL, P32XL, and P38XL. And that's the only parameter that I'm changing. So you can see that I'm changing the instant type parameter. I'm not changing the other hyperparameters, just to make sure that this is the only variable that I'm testing right now. And when I'm running the fit function, you can see that I'm also passing the experiment config to that specific job. So that's the way that I'm connecting the job to this specific experiment. After I ran that job, and I already ran it beforehand, um, I can actually use... The um, experiment analytics API to get back a data frame with all the different jobs that I ran. I'm not showing you all the metrics that I got just for display. Um, you can actually get all the different metrics with uh, both average, standard deviation, max, mean, etc. I decided to focus only on the speed metric. And I also added two more columns, the actual cost that this job cost me. So you can see um, that the p 38 Excel train speed was 6,844 samples per second. And you can see the data for each one of the jobs, but you can actually understand it better with the graph. So in the graph that you are seeing, the blue line is the time of that job, and the red bars are the cost for each one of the instance type. So you can see that in this specific job, although the p 38 8 xl was faster than the p 32 2 xl it was less cost effective. The most cost effective one was the p 32 2 xl and in this case, because the time difference is really small, like it's a really short job, even for 60 epoch, and that's a full training for Cypher 10 for image classification, um, the difference is, is still small, it's still like in, in the minute scale, so in that case, I would probably choose the P3 xl what was the most cost-effective option. Another example, so again, that's a ResNet model uh, for image classification. It's a simple model, not a too complex one. Another example is a BERT example. So I decided to test the same with a language model, that's a more complex model. Um, and you can see in here, So that's the the time for, I think, a single epoch I ran for that, just because a BERT model takes longer to train. And you can see that in this case, with a P2 XL, I couldn't even train. There is not enough memory in the instance, there was no way to train that on a P2 XL. And then you can see that, let's just look at the graph. You can see that the P3 2 XL took a lot of time, the 8 XL and the 16 XL both took, pretty much the same time for training. So I had a bottleneck that wasn't really um, giving me the option to scale up from the 8XL to the 16XL. I think it's probably the CPU or the memory bottleneck because with the 24XL that have the exact same GPUs as the 16XL, but more GPU memory, more CPU power and more memory, I was actually faster and really cost effective. So in that case, you can see that actually the most cost effective or I'm not sure if cost-effective is the right uh, um, um, right way to, to to say that, but the most cost and time-effective was actually the P324DN, the 24 xl sorry, that was both the most time-effective, but also was pretty much cost-effective versus the P32x11. So it was I was able using that uh, I was able to shorten my training job from. 2,000 seconds in the P3.2 XL to only 437 seconds in the 24 dnxl so, so that's, for example, another instance, another use case where I will probably choose the P3DN 24 XL and not the most cost effective. So that would be my recommendation for you of how to choose your right instance type. Just test it out, use this new experiment management to even visualize everything and find out which one is the best for you you don't have to run a full training job to find that out. Like, the metric of samples per second doesn't really change across time. The, the, the metric that you get after an epoch will be basically the same as uh, um, throughout the epochs. So my recommendation would be to run a really short job, find out which instance you can utilize the best, and based on that, also run a full training job. So we talk about training, but... Um, you also need to find out the right mechanism for inference and understand what are the inference options that we have. So Srinivas will now uh, talk about the inference options that we have in AWS. Thanks, you all.
1: Can everybody hear me? Okay. Um, So right before I start off uh, uh, this section, I just wanted to know how many of you have live projects where you care about inference right now and you're in the middle of making selections for instances? Show sure of hands. Okay, great. And uh, how about training? Okay, cool. Um, so one last question. How many of you are data scientists over here? Okay. And engineers? Great. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, so I'm just going to walk you through inference. I think right before we start looking at uh, the different instances that you have for selection and selection criteria, let's look at the differences between training and inference. So training in general is fairly math intensive in most cases, Um, especially if you start using uh, deep neural networks, uh, you use CNNs, convolutional neural networks. uh, There could be several different layers and millions of parameters. So as an example, VGG is one model which might you might have like 150 million parameters. So lots of parameters and a lot of operations that go on, many of them being like matrix multiplication and so forth. So for this, when you use GPUs, you, start, you can start parallelizing uh, a lot of these operations. Right? so when you start parallelizing these operations, you get better performance. And when you look at the inference side of it, the math intensity is much lower on the inference side. So when you start using like training instances for inference as an example, you might end up with much lesser usage um the other difference between training and inference is that training typically stands to, uh, is is a is a standalone application whereas with inference you're you're likely running your application code along with inference right so uh, as an example uh, if you're an insurance company and you're doing claim uh, claim estimations you've got a bunch of business software that's running and then you're also imbibing images from say the accident site or where you're trying to make claim uh, estimations and that likely is going to be part of a larger workflow. So you have to worry about the application logic and the business logic that's running uh, and utilizing your instances, uh, in the resources of your instances, along with the inference uh, the requirements as well. Training is uh, run in the cloud in uh, most cases, whereas inference can actually run in the cloud as well as on edge devices. Right. So as an example, you might have security applications where your video cameras are detecting objects and sending back uh, events to the cloud. But then there's a lot of inference happening right at the edge uh, on your cameras. So inference can run at the edge as well as on the cloud. Training runs typically less frequently. Uh, Of course, you can always do continuous training, uh, but in many cases, training is much more run much less frequently than uh, inference. Inference can be a 24-7 operation, right? So these are uh, some differences. Now, if you just look at uh, the last bullet over there, that inference is running all the time, and you start looking at the number of clock cycles you basically are expending on inference versus training. Uh, you can, you know, you you can roughly estimate that about 90% of your machine learning costs are likely going to be to inference uh, rather than training, and so optimizing inference uh, becomes a, a significant cost factor for you in your machine learning projects. Now, if you look at SageMaker and you look at all the instance types that are available within SageMaker, uh, you literally can use any of these instances for inference, right? So you have CPU instances, and then you have GPU and accelerated inferences. Uh, To the left, the T, M, and R, and C families are all CPU-based instances. You all just went through the characteristics of each of these instance types. Uh, The ones in the box are, are with accelerators. Right, so it's got GPU instances as well as uh, uh, our uh, Inferentia-based instances uh, and Elastic Inference. Uh, the core difference, of course, with GPU is that you can use GPUs for inference, and when you start running inference on uh, neural, network model, uh, neural networks, uh, CNN models or BERT, uh, you, 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 uh, you see a significant amount of improve, uh, improvement in performance for inference. Uh, that's because you can parallelize a whole bunch of these inference operations. So the P family uh, is our training uh, instance family. Uh, the G family is is, our, uh, is more specific for inferences. Uh, uh, Inf1 includes inferentia, which we recently uh, introduced. Uh, and elastic inference allows you uh, to attach a fraction of a GPU instance to any CPU instance. So let's look at a few differences, primarily for the GPU instances. Um, if you uh, look at the different instances that are available within SageMaker, so the P3s, as I said, have a V100 uh, GPU that includes thousands of uh, a cores, right? Um, so it's optimized for training and it can really reduce the amount of training time that you take, uh, whereas when you use the same P3 instances for inference, it's likely that you're not utilizing the full extent of the GPU. So in in many cases, we actually run experiments that as you start increasing the number of batch sizes for inference and you start running multiple inference jobs on the same GPU, you start to use more of the GPU. And in our experiments, we have seen that in most cases, if you're just running a single inference at real time, you use only about 10% of the P3, right? In most models, CNN models that we have seen. So Pretty much leaving about 90% of the of those instances um, unutilized and you're paying for it. So it ends up being more expensive. Although, if the inference job can actually use the full width of the GPU, you might end up taking less time. Right? So latency could be uh, could be improved. The G4 instances that we launched recently are more custom-built. It's got fewer streaming multiprocessors, which are basically cores within the GPU. And so you end up utilizing a little more of the GPU, and the cost is significantly lower. So it's our lowest cost uh, inference uh, option for GPU instances in the cloud, right? And it's got up to uh, 1,000 tops of compute with uh, with up to eight NVIDIA, uh, you know, T4 GPUs. When uh, we just recently introduced uh, the inf one instances, so this includes Inferentia, our accelerator. So Inferentia is our chip, um, with Inferentia, you can go up to 2,000 teraflops with up to 16 of those uh, inferential accelerators per instance. So, when you start, so if you look at the uh, Inferentia instances, you can go, get up to 3x the throughput of uh, G4 instances, and you can uh, lower the price performance by up to 40% uh, with com- in comparison with the G4. So that's, that's what we have seen in, in our tests uh, so far. But of course, it differs per model, and obviously you have to to look at actually testing these models out with these different options, right? But um, the INF1 instance has basically been built to improve throughput and lower your latencies. And so um, if you look at uh, kind of the tensor processing uh, and the pipeline capabilities, you can can actually connect multiple inferentias uh, within your instances, and you can parallelize inference across these different inferentias. To do all of these things, we've got an SDK, AWS Neuron, and you can use the Neuron, and it's packaged with the different uh, frameworks, TensorFlow, PyTorch, and uh, MXNet, and we have libraries that will help you uh, to uh, to compile your models and launch on an Inferentia. So those were with instances, but your instances may not be fully utilized. right? So your GPU instances may not be fully utilized, as, uh, as we just discussed. So even if you have... Uh, you know, the G4 or the inferential instances, you might not fully utilize the width of the the GPU for your inferences. Um, And the other aspect of it is that because you're running your application code along with your uh, inferences, uh, it is likely that the needs of your application are different from the needs of your inference. So you have to right-size your inference for whatever needs more resources, right? And when you do that, it's likely that you may not be right-sizing your, uh, your uh, uh, instance selections for the needs of your, both your application as well as your inference. And so you might be leaving, uh, again, utilization on the table. So how do you solve this? Now, before we go there, there are a couple of deployment models as well that are, are fairly common that we have seen. Right? The first deployment model is that you can run inference on uh, separate GP, uh, fleets of GPU instances. And then you could have different application uh, instances, uh, or applications running on different uh, fleets, right? And these applications can then make inference calls to this single fleet, gather the responses, and then, uh, you know, that's one way of running it. Um, A way, uh, so what I've seen is that this model usually works when you have multiple different models and you have different applications and you have different teams of application engineers working on their own stacks. And then you've got a central team that manages your your inference fleet. The positive of this is that you can right-size more for that particular inference application and their models, but the disadvantage is that it requires a lot of heavy lifting because you now have to manage multiple fleets. The second uh, way of deployment is that you can co-locate your application stack with your inference. The issue there is that, as we discussed, your applications might need a certain set of vCPUs and a certain amount of memory, Whereas your inference requirement might be a certain 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 amount of GPU memory and a different amount of, um, uh, and and a different latency requirement within your GPU uh, for your inferences, and so right-sizing it might actually be a bit difficult. So, the solution for this is that we introduced uh, Amazon Elastic Inference in uh, uh, last year, and the way Elastic Inference works is that we take a slice of the GPU and we actually do spatial partitioning of the GPU, so you, you actually look at a slice of the GPU as if it were a complete GPU instance, and you can attach that to any CPU instance. Right? So when you do that, you can now st- select a CPU instance with your vCPUs and with your memory that is right size for your application requirements, for running your business logic, your pre-processing, and so forth, and then you can select the right amount of inference that is needed for your inference requirement. That's based on your model, that's based on the number of parameters that you have, uh, and so forth. Uh, Elastic inference is integrated with EC2 instances, so you can use that with EC2 instances, you can use that with SageMaker instances, or you can use that with ECS tasks if you're running containers. You can also use that with uh, with batch. Now in terms of uh, the framework supported, so we support TensorFlow, we support MXNet on elastic inference, we actually expose elastic inference, as if it were a GPU, through the frameworks. And uh, so utilizing EI is very, very similar to using a GPU instance. Uh, We have PyTorch uh, coming soon, uh, uh, on Elastic Inference as well. Now if you look at the two deployment models now, you can co-locate the application stack with inference using Elastic Inference, because you can now right size on your instances, uh, I'm sorry, right size for your application, and you can also right size for your inference requirements. For the first model, where for the first deployment option where you, you had a separate inference fleet, uh, you can still co multiple different models uh, and we have a feature coming up where you can uh, assign or you can attach multiple elastic inference accelerators to the same instance. So now what you can do is you can host multiple models on the same, fle- uh, same fleet, um, And you can load all these different models on different accelerators in memory, and you can have concurrent requests processed through this feature, right, called multi-attach. So that's coming soon as well. So the way Elastic Inference works, how does it work with SageMaker? So it works with both notebooks, where you can experiment, and you can uh, prototype all your deployments. So you can can select your notebook instances and attach Elastic Inference to it. And you can also scale endpoints uh, with low-cost Elastic Inference. So when you start deploying it, uh, you can you can select Elastic Inference, you can select your instances as well as uh, EI and attach it as well for your production requirements. So it's fairly very seamless. Um, the code that you write it doesn't have to be changed because we expose the interfaces exactly as it would uh, be for, uh, for uh, as if uh, uh, it were a GPU option. Uh, there are different sizes of Elastic Inference, so you can go all the way from. Uh, 8 to 32 FP16 tops, uh, tera operations per second. Uh, and then you have different accelerator memories of so 2, 4, 8 GBs, and uh, the price is significantly lower because you're just paying for a fraction of the of the GPU cost for inference. So, how do you choose the right inference options? Right. So, you have multiple different parameters now. You look at the GPU memory. That's uh, an important aspect of it. You look at the latency. So when you look at the GPU memory, it's made up of two components, right? So it's the size of your model and it's the size of your input tensors. So if you add those two and then you start looking at, okay, which GPU instance actually fits that budget for me? So that's your first criteria. Um, The next criteria would be, well, I'm going to run a POC and then figure out what my target latencies are, right? And, And then figure out what my latencies are and whether that fits within my latency budget or latency SLA, so from that point on, you can then um, choose a higher instance so that you can get better latencies, right? lower latencies. Throughput is another important parameter. Uh, our info instances with uh, inferentia have very high throughput. Um, so if you wanted really to focus on throughput, then you might want to look at uh, you know uh, inferentia based instances. Right? The one option over here is definitely custom CUDA code. So, if you are writing custom uh, CUDA or CODNN code, or if you have custom operators uh, which are based on uh, GPUs, then you might have to choose uh, GPU based instances. So, Elastic Inference will not support uh, the custom uh, operators or CUDA. And so, there your options are primarily G4 based instances. So, it becomes a little more clearer there uh, to, to in your instance selection criteria so uh, the other uh, the other consideration i would say is that if you wanted to co- co- convert your fp16 to lower latencies and higher through, so if you convert your models to fp16 you can actually get a higher throughput uh, and potentially lower latencies with very little loss in precision and accuracy so that's the other option that you would uh, want to look at um, i think overall if you want you you would want to look at the uh, the size memory latencies uh, and then you size up, but you really have to do a POC and that would be a, a recommendation. So you run a POC and see where it fits uh, and then right size your uh, your instance based on uh, based on what the results that you' are seeing. So with that, let me hand it over to you all.
0: We'll keep talking till okay great. So we decided to do exactly that, to run a POC. We found one of the models that I trained before and see which one was the most um, latency effective, let's call it, or the least latency and cost effective. Um, So we chose one of the models. In that case, we chose the Cypher 10 model. So again, it's a really simple model. It's not too complex, Uh, but still we decided to choose that model and what we've done is um, basically deployed that model three times. First, I deployed it on an M42XL instance. So you can see the first line of the model.deploy operation. Second, I deployed it on an g 4 dn um, XLR instance, so that's a GPU instance. And the third, I deployed it on an ML C5 large, so it's a smaller instance, but with the ML Elastic Inference Medium Accelerator. So that was the three deployments that I created. My script in that example is based on MXNet. We said already before that Elastic Inference supports also uh, um, TensorFlow, for example, but in this case, I decided to use MXNet. And just to show you how easy it is to utilize each one of those different contexts. So a CPU, a GPU, or elastic inference. Let me open my um, inference script. So that is basically the script that I'm passing to SageMaker to load my model artifacts, my MXNet artifacts, and to be able to predict on those artifacts. And you can see that in the script, I'm just choosing the context I want to run on. Again, that's MXNet. mxx syntax, but with the different frameworks, it'll be pretty much the same with TensorFlow using TensorFlow serving. It's even easier. It will be uh, uh, walking by default. So you can see in here that for elastic inference context, uh, that just showed uh, chose sorry a context called EIA. So that's the context for elastic inference. For GPU, I chose the GPU context. So based on that, my Um, Script can choose the right context and work with the relevant infrastructure that it got. So I'll move back to the notebook and what I decided to do is um, basically to get the data. So because it's a really small data, the Cypher 10, I decided to run prediction of a big batch of images. In that case, a batch of 75 images simultaneously. So you can see that I chose um, that batch size in here. And for each one of those instances, I ran that prediction for five different batches of images. Then I got that data frame and that graph. So let's start with the data frame. You can see that I, uh, I actually sorted that by the average latency. So from the highest to the lowest, you can see that with the M5, I got the highest latency. So a second latency, and uh, you can see actually the average cost per request. So basically that's the the hourly cost divided by the time of the request. Then you can see that with the C five at large, so that's a smaller instance, with the Elastic Inference, I got to a better latency. So from a second I reduced it to zero point nine three. And the average cost per request was lower. The cost per hour, and that's basically uh, uh, the pricing method of SageMaker real-time endpoints, you pay it by the hour or by the second, actually. So the cost per hour was higher than uh, the M5 Excel, but I could actually fit more predictions in that hour. So in most cases, it would be more cost-effective. Then I also tried the GPU instance, and with the GPU instance, you can see that I got better results, so the average latency was even reduced to 0.45, um, but the cost is higher than both the EC2 instance and the EC2 with elastic inference. So, so one more comparison that I will ca- encourage you to test now that we launched the n one instance, it to try the same also with n one and see if maybe in your use case, n one would be the most cost effective or uh, latency effective between the different instances that you just chose. So again, that's another method for you to check by yourself. Um, In this case, I haven't checked also the instance size, basically because um, I ran only one inference per, per, simultaneously, and because um, the size of data and size of model in here is is really small. But in, in different cases, you'll probably need to choose different instances and different instances size as well. So that's an example of how we chose the right instance, and in this case, I would probably uh, choose between the Elastic Inference one and the GPU one, really depends if I need that uh, lower latency that I get from the GPU one, or the latency for Elastic Inference is good enough and I prefer the cost optimization that I got with that. So now that we talked about uh, um, the instance uh, options for deployment. we also talk about other options that we have that can also get you better performance or more cost-effective deployment. So, Srinivas. Thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. So, um, we
1: talked about instance selection so far, but inference can run at the edge or in the cloud. So, for that, um, I wanted to talk about uh, Amazon SageMaker Neo. So, Neo is an option that allows you to Train your model once, right? It's, uh, it allows you to compile those models and then deploy uh, the runtime on multiple devices. But you train your model once and then de- deploy on multiple devices. So, why is this important, and what problem is it solving? You might have several different devices, your edge devices, right? Your cameras and other devices uh, that be run that could be running different uh, processors. So if you have to optimize for each of those different devices, then you would have to train your models specifically to those devices. And that's painful. The second problem is that each of those versions may not be compatible with the devices that you have, which means that you have to, you have to start looking at versions and ensuring that uh, the subset of devices that will work with versions uh, is, is kind of compatible with what you're doing. This, the, the second problem is that your devices are limited in terms of memory, and compute, and uh, uh, power. And so you'll need to compress your models before you deploy it on your Edge devices. The third problem is that you, uh, whenever you update your models, you'd have to uh, essentially have version controls in place for deploying on your different devices. And so uh, all of these are different know uh, problematic uh, when you start uh, when you start start trying to deploy across these different devices and so with NEO what you can do is that you uh, train your model once in whatever framework you're using and then you can take the trained model run it through NEO which compiles the model NEO creates an intermediate representation and then there are a number of different optimizations that we perform and then the runtime that you get from NEO you can deploy on any of those devices. So your runtime will be specific to those devices. So it helps you by improving performance by up to 2x, and then it can reduce the size of your models because now you don't have framework code to deploy on your Edge devices anymore. So you can reduce the size by up to 1 or even more. So that's a big advantage with Neo. So we support a number of different hardware devices, and we support MXNet and TensorFlow and PyTorch. Right? Neo is also open source, and so you can always download from GitHub and try on your own. Uh, Neo is available through SageMaker, and it's compatible with uh, Greengrass devices uh, as well as uh, instances. So you can also launch Neo on different instances and improve performance. So, to give you a live uh, example, have Manisha from TI. Thank
2: you, Srinivas. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Manisha Agrawal, and I work for Texas Instruments. As you may know, Texas Instruments is a semiconductor company that makes differentiated analog and embedded processing products for automotive and industrial markets. The processors for industrial market is named as Sitara. They are a scalable portfolio of single-to-multi-core ARM CPUs, along with application-specific accelerators, such as multimedia, and comes with flexible peripherals and interfaces. Now to the portfolio of devices, we are adding two new processors that that are having AI or neural network accelerators on it. Starting December 2019, we are adding support for SageMaker Neo as one of the choice for inference at the edge using Sitara processor on our platform. In the remaining portion of this presentation, I will focus on edge inference using Neo and Sitara, and the benefit it brings to our joint customers. I would like to start with the question, why run inference at the edge? Well, there are several benefits that The TI customers see using running inference at the edge on TI Sitara processors, such as low latency. Running the inference at the edge reduces your latency. There are several applications that have need for real-time inference. In my slide here, I'm showing one of the example, such as automated guided vehicle or autonomous vehicle. Then there is another reason like reliability. There are several applications that are having no tolerance to any error introduced due to poor network connectivity. Here I'm showing an example of mission critical operations in a factory automation. Then there is another reason like privacy and the legal issues because of which customers prefer to run inference at the edge. Other reason is the reduced power consumption. When you run inference at the edge, your system power reduces, and there are several applications which have constrained power budget, such as here I'm showing a drone as an example. Another reason is when you run inference at the edge, you have reduced network bandwidth. For example, here I'm showing a factory, predictive maintenance on a fleet of devices in factory automation scenario. And you would like to collect information from multiple sensors and continuously monitor and do predictive maintenance on them. In this case, you would like to run inference at the edge. Finally, there are scenarios where there is no network connectivity out there, such as doing smart agriculture on a remote field. Now. Having the understanding or the motivation built behind running inference at the edge, let me walk through how an application flow would look like using Neo plus Sitara. Here in my slide, I'm showing an example of factory automation use case, where there is a smart camera using TI AM57next processor and doing defect detections on objects on a conveyor belt and automating the task of quality inspection to run such an application with the inference at the edge and using NIO, first thing you need to have is a trained network model you can bring either your own trained network model or just bring the unlabeled teaching data set and use sage Infrastructure to build and train your model. Once your model is available on S3 bucket, next thing you choose is Sitara AM57X as your choice of the hardware processor. With a single click, Neo will optimize the binary and convert it into a format that is suitable for Sitara processor. In this example, the camera is not connected to cloud during runtime. So you may use your local infrastructure to download that model from the cloud to the file system of the camera. After that, you invoke your application, which underneath uses Neo AI Deep Learning Runtime Engine to run your model. The Neo AI DLR, or the Deep Learning Runtime Engine is a software component that understands Sitara architecture and it parses the model and offloads those operators onto our accelerators and other processing unit. Let me walk through another example use case. Again, here I'm showing an example of factory automation use case. But here, there are fleet of robots doing some automated tasks using deep neural network. But here in the scenario, they are connected to cloud during runtime. To develop such an application using Neo, the development flow remains same as I walked through in my previous example. But since this time, the edge devices are connected to the cloud during runtime, you can use AWS IoT Greengrass services to download those models runtime onto Sitara processor and manage your fleet of devices too. Well, TI Sitara processors not only supports factory automation use case, we enable edge inference across industries, such as industrial transport, Aerospace and defense, building automation, retail automation, appliances, grid infrastructure, and medical sectors, to name few. So why would you like to use Sitara processors for your edge inference? They are single scalable platform of devices with ARM CPUs, specialized accelerators, Ti DSPs, with flexible peripheral and interfaces, and now comes with AI or neural network accelerators. They are real world compute efficient and power efficient devices. They come with support for multiple industrial communication protocol on one single platform. As well, they have programmable real time unit to real time control your cyber physical world. They are backed by the solid manufacturing capability of TI that it has developed by shipping 30 plus years of DSPs. They go through rigorous testing to meet the quality and reliability standard. All our Sitara processors support 100k power on hour with extended temperature range of minus 40 degree to 105 degrees Celsius with high I.O. voltage and low failure in time rates. They come with unified software development kit experience with commitment to real-time Linux and TI RTOS. Our customers can get support at each step of their reference design, free of cost through e2e.ti.com. It is an industry-leading forum supported by the subject matters experts in TI and our community member. Not only that, at TI, as we sell analog and embedded products both, we bring system-level expertise. We have system-level expertise on 13 different industrial sectors with 500-plus different systems. We have 2,000-plus reference design, with the help of which we not only make your products smart, but also we can help you create differentiated design for any of your industrial equipment needs. Now, with SageMaker and Neo offering end-to-end spectrum of services for machine learning application, starting from ingesting your unlabeled data set, all the way to providing an optimized model binaries for Sitara processors, And with Sitara processors compute efficiency along with robustness, together we can democratize the development of machine learning application for any of your industrial and equipment edge inference needs. SageMaker Neo not only optimizes the model binary, but it also has the enhanced network model coverage. With its broadest coverage of the network model operators, 60 to 70 plus on individual frameworks, such as MXNet, PyTorch, and TensorFlow. They have the broadest coverage available out compared to any other runtime engine available on Sitara processor. To get started with machine learning on Sitara processors, here I'm showing on my slide the links on how you can get started. I would recommend going through Satara Machine Learning page first, which has step-by-step guide to get you started. On the hardware development kit, you have two choices today. There is AM574X Industrial Development Kit, which comes with two cores of our AI accelerators. It has peripherals and interfaces suitable for industrial application. There is another choice which is a low-cost, small-form factor, community-supported board, which is a Beagle-Bone AI. It costs $125. Now, to get started with our software development kit, the link I'm showing on the slide, we, de- we release our software de- kit every quarterly cadence. The NEO support will be added in our upcoming processor SDK release happening in December end. Please download the December our software release happening in December end to get started with Neo on Sitara processor. We will be having a chalk talk in Venetian at 1.45 p.m. today. If anyone of you have your use cases and want to get jump started on the Sitara processor with Neo, please come and see us in Venetian at 1.45 p.m. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Manisha. Thank you, Manisha. So can you hear me real quick? All right. So uh, to summarize, in this session we saw a number of different options for training as well as for inference. Uh, We gave you uh, uh, selection criteria for uh, instance selection and also accelerators uh, for inference. Uh, Hopefully this was useful to get you started on SageMaker uh, in your journey through ML. Um, Here are a few more links if you're interested. definitely look at uh, aws.training slash machine learning for the different trainings that you have for machine learning. Um, And thank you very much for uh, coming in for this session this afternoon, and I hope you've uh, had a very good reinvent session so far. Uh, And please don't forget to complete the session survey in the mobile app. Thank you.